When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to Exposed Dragged Out. Each week, I talk to some individuals from the beautiful franchises of RuPaul's Drag Race. Today, it's no exception. We are going back to season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race. A lot of you guys say it's the worst season, but if you actually look at it, you know about everybody's names from it. And we have the absolute pleasure of bringing on Miss Kasha Davis. How's it going? Oh, it's it's going well. I'm just, I'm, I'm a delight here in my basement right next to my water heater and my sump pump. And I could even be on speakerphone, which is nice because a lot of people don't have that modern technology like I do. <laughs> well, how has everything been going for you since, you know, everything, you know, has been locked down, it's coming back around and everything like that. Are things starting to pick back up? Yes. I mean, you know, first and foremost, you called and we finally are doing this. And I believe in saying yes. You know, I believe in saying yes. People call and ask Mrs. Kasha Davis, can you go to lunch? Yes, I can, Darian Lake. People call and ask if I'll do the interview. Maybe. No, but I do. I like to do whatever I can do because, you know, it's that opportunity if you can get yourself on somebody else's social media and maybe meet a few other people. Because let's face it, I was on season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race, specifically the opening credits. She wasn't a breakout standout star. She basically stood there anesthetized with Xanax and alcohol. Well, I mean, you may not have believed that you were a standout star, but your rise over the past couple of years, I think has been pretty extraordinary because like everybody loves Miss Kasha Davis now. Like, Did you see like a change or anything like that? Well, when I first started to tour, they would say, ladies and gentlemen, they would, the promoter would be like, I just, I love you. I love, you were so great. And I would, thank you. And then they would go on, ladies and gentlemen, the fabulous Miss Katya David. I was like, well, I got to need to work on that. Kasha David is another one they would say. And I was like, okay. But what I thought to myself was I was given the platform and then what do I want to do? So they weren't able to show XYZ, or I wasn't able to provide them with enough of gusto to edit it into the storyline. And so that was that. So people knew who I was, and I was like, well, what do I do about it? And I think being a workhorse queen, as uh, Isaac Mizrahi (laughs) labeled me, (laughs) you get out there and you take advantage of that opportunity and you build upon it. Yeah. Well, one thing that you built upon that, but like we will get into your life and the history and everything like that. But before we do, the crazy thing that you did recently, which I absolutely love, is you were doing like children's television, right? Well, yes. So what had happened was a while ago, a couple of years ago, a local theater approached me and said, would you like to do story time with us? And I said, absolutely. And we did a series of live shows and we had several hundred parents and kids coming on Saturdays. And it was marvelous. Well, of course, Mrs. COVID hit and we all sat on our butts. And Mr. Davis said to me, 
this is Kasha Davis. How about we do story time live on your socials? And I'm like, well, we've got nothing else to do. And I thought it was also a wonderful opportunity to give people a little bit of pause, a little bit of positivity, a little bit of light and help the parents out with a little bit of distraction too. So we did 100 Storytime Live shows from our home to yours. And it was a, it was just a wonderful thing that we were able to do together twice a week. And it was great. And of course, it was, you know, just we just did it. And then I started working with a uh, getting back together with the theater, say, when are you going to open? And they can't because the kids and the vaccination and all this. So they said, but the theater is open. And we have been working on these kind of little out and about series where we go to different places like a firehouse and learn about what happens there for the kids. And they said, why don't we do a TV show? And I was like, uh, yeah. So we started a GoFundMe. We started the script writing process. And we've just completed four episodes of Imagination Station where you are at the beginning. It's like a predicament like Lucy and Ethel. I love Lucy, where Mr. and Mrs. Davis are having a situation, and then we call upon our imagination to kind of find the resolve. And it includes That's our- so cute. Well, thank you. Yes, and it includes our neighbors. It includes all different characters like Mr. Rogers, like, you know, Mrs. Miss Doubtfire and all that. What is, like, the vibe like when you get to work with children? Because, you know, how our media perceives things, how my parents perceived things when I was growing up was like, gay is wrong, drag queens are wrong, don't be around them, don't do that. And now I feel like there's a little bit of a shift, not like so big, but what is it like when you get to experience, you know, children seeing drag and seeing things like that? What's that experience like for you? Well, it all came together for me because I started to think about the fact, just like your story, when I was a little boy, girl, gal, girl, boy, fella, and that's what they called me, a fella. I was light in the loafers. I was a fairy. I was the, you know, and I was like, I felt really all that meant to me because I didn't know what they were talking about as a child that I was unloved for being different. And I didn't even know what they were identifying. I wasn't identifying it yet. There was no place and there was nothing to see on TV other than jokes you know, comedy characters or tragedy, tragic characters. There was no positivity. Of course, RuPaul's Drag Race comes along and is is what it is and is all over the world. And it's like a virus and we don't want a, a vaccine for that one. It's just spreading, you know, it's everywhere. And it's great, right? Because it gives so many different examples and Dragula gives all these different examples of ways to be yourself. And it, this these examples are sometimes exaggerated and there's real life situations, as we know. And so when I get the opportunity to read these books in front of the kids and I get the opportunity to tell these stories and ask them what they will be when they grow up, not what they want to be, you know, instilling this positivity, their faces light up and they believe Mrs. Kasha Davis lives at the theater and she likes sparkly dresses. And for some reason, she loves to read books and they accept this character, this person who I am as Mrs. Kasha Davis. Some of the adults who are skeptical, I was once interviewed and they asked, the, they said, why aren't you explaining to the kids the process of getting to drag, how you do it, why you do it? I said, because they're not asking the question. If they ask the question, we'll answer it, but they're not asking. They love it. And so to see their faces light up in a way that I did not have that opportunity is the best payment ever.
I mean, can you imagine like back in the day, like being able to go to a library and Lady Bunny reading you a book? Like, what would that have been like? <laughs> well, if they could let her in. I mean, I, I, I saw Bianca's uh, stand-up show and she did a whole bit about it. And she said, uh, Mrs. Kasha Davis and Nina West are reading books to kids. Don't you think that's terrible? The kids should learn to read for themselves. Well, I thought that was funny, you know. Um, but there's a lot of other negativity that goes along with it that, you know, we don't want to perpetuate that. We want to continue to, you know, foster the idea with kids that you truly can follow your heart and be who you are. And that doesn't have to necessarily be boxed into gender or sexuality or any of it. It's just expressing positivity, kindness, love for yourself, first and foremost, but of course, for others, if they should be in your mind different. Exactly. Well, let's get into, we just talked about children. Let's talk about you as a child. So I saw that you were born in New York. Did you grow up in New York? Well, no, I was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, so the internet lies again. WWW. No, I live in Rochester, New York, and I moved here uh, after I came out. And uh, yeah, so I, I grew up in Scranton and this was the 70, you know, I was born in 71. I'm 50. I just turned 50. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she's still kicking. And uh, yeah, so it is very much like the office. You know, back then there was no homosexuality that I knew of. It was all in the closet. Nobody was, you know, I was in a ballet company and the ballet dancers were all in the closet. And I was like, really? You know, and I, and so I just, you couldn't find that place of like, there was no community. And it wasn't until I moved to Rochester in uh, 99, and I had just divorced my ex-wife. Yes, I did say ex-wife. We were together uh, from 88 to 98, married from 93 to 98. And um, I moved here, and that's when all of a sudden I saw rainbow flags and pride events and drag queens and all these. It was like coming to Oz. I was like, what is all of this wonderful stuff? And people, <laughs> you know, people were able to hold hands and walk down the street, and I thought, Oh my gosh, like it was, it was, Darian describes it as Mrs. Kasha Davis, uh, Ed, when I moved here, it was like a kid in a candy store. I couldn't get enough. I did, I couldn't even believe it. I went back home and came out to my parents as if I needed to, you know, like they should have known. My mother was, she's like, you don't want to touch somebody's pickle or put your pickle in somebody's dupa. <laughs> and I was like, mom, what are you talking about? I'm not a top. No. Um, <laughs> But she, you know, she was just devastated. How, what about my reputation? What are people going to think? Well, people already know, Ma. This, this is no, no big secret. But then my dad was, you know, he literally spit in my face and told me, get out. I want nothing to do with you. And so I was disowned for a period of time. And that's when I discovered the meaningful lesson of finding your own tribe and the community. And that's what I started to build here in Rochester. And it was wonderful. And it taught me a lot. And I was open to, you know, I, I, I was a manager of, a, of a, a telemarketing call center. So now I'm also introduced to more diversity that was not introduced to me in this small town, backward town uh, of Scranton. Now, it's not so backward now, but back then it was. So you end up kind of becoming more of yourself in Rochester then. Is that what you, you would say? Absolutely. I went, I went to high school. Married the first girl who would say yes and went to college all in the Scranton area. And then when I came here, it was like, it was truly like going to college. And I began to find myself in so many ways. 
I love that. Like, I love when, because I, the same thing happened to me. You know, like, I grew up in Tennessee and my family is, you know, a big part of the country. And then when we would go out of the country and I finally went to college and I was in Atlanta, I was like, oh my gosh, what is going on? Then I was like, there's gay people. This is okay. Like, what is this? And then it was like fully getting to be yourself. But it's so interesting how one city to another city in the same country can just be totally different. Oh, yes. And, you know, recently I had a gig at a college in Altoona, Pennsylvania. A-L-T-O-O-N-A. And somebody said, El Kasha, you put the U in Altoona. There's no U. Um, Get out. No, it was not. The college was wonderful. Uh, But when I was driving around, there was a lot of barns that had Trump's name and said, Jesus loves Trump, so should you. I was like, oh, okay. You know, and so I began to think to myself, you know, fine, there's Republican and there's Democrat, but this extreme kind of thinking. And I began to think, what are you afraid? No one's coming to take your barn. You know, no one's coming to take, you can still live freely here. What is it you're so afraid of? And it really comes down to that fear. And I remember as a child that my, I think what, why my father was so tough on me was he was afraid because he saw no examples of happy, healthy homosexuals. You know, there was no such thing. So he was afraid, and it was the 80s, so he was afraid of AIDS. He was like, my son's going to die. I have to scare him. I have to, you know, basically bully him. And we'd rather him be in the closet. And I was like, well, that's not fair to anybody. But this is what happens in these in these times. Now, where in Tennessee was it? Nutbush? Did you know Tina Turner's family? <laughs> I did not, but Tina Turner's family was literally right up. So my family is from Humboldt or Jackson. So literally, Nutbush is right around there. Who doesn't love a nice Nutbush? Right? <laughs> well, I want to know when the drag started. When was your first actual performance? And I'm not talking about like a performance in your living room or something. Like, do you remember your actual first stage performance? Oh, of course. Yes. So I was a fan of drag. I was attending the club and I would see Pandora Box and Darien Lake and Aggie Dune and Ambrosia Salad and, and all these wonderful performers. And I did not at all think I was cut out for that. I went to school for theater and yes, I dabbled in some drag through theater, but it wasn't like, it wasn't clicking. And so Mr. Davis, Steve and I went on a vacation to uh, Provincetown and we saw Miss Richfield 1981. And Miss Richfield 1981 was a, more of a theatrical character than I saw here in Rochester and had a backstory and sang live and had positive messaging by the end of the show and improvisation. And I fell in love. I was like, oh my gosh, I could totally see myself doing that. And so this it was about a 10 hour drive the whole way back. Steve and I were talking about, well, who would you be? And I was like, first pet, first street, Kasha Davis, like, boom. And we were just like, it was rapid fire. And, and thinking back, it was like all this information was being given to us. Like, this is, you have to do this. And I was like, okay, fine. So we come back to Rochester. And of course, the owner knew because back then I was such a big drinker. They were like, oh, we know who you are. Yeah, you want to go on stage? No problem. So I call and I said, I'd like to do it. And this particular bar owner was my, ended up being my drag mother. And her name was Naomi Kane. And she said, because sure, baby, come on down on Sunday. And I was like, whoo, she's, you know, pretty lady. Um, and then um, I did. And I sang and I lip synced Lime Jello Marshmallow Cottage Cheese Surprise about a housewife, Kasha Davis. 
And then I enjoy being a girl. And I worked for probably a week and a half every night on the choreography and the lip sync. And now like Darian will be like, we have brunch on Sunday. It's Saturday. What numbers are you doing? I don't know. You know, but it was, it was just, it was so important. And I had the mother of the bride dress and I had, oh, and actually my first costume was a maternity outfit. Cause I didn't know what I was buying at the Goodwill. I was like, well, that seems to work. And it was wonderful. I had so many friends and colleagues from, from uh, work come out and it was great. And there, I, we have photos of it. I have the hairiest arms ever. I have a, not even a lick of makeup on. It's a little, little bit of lipstick. We even made promotional posters of me in the shower with a towel. Like, oh no, what's happening? It was horrible. So, you know, but we were so excited about it. But right from the beginning, it was Mr. and Mrs. Davis. And he was there with me and, and is still with I mean, like you, you saw, he has to have turn on the computer for me because I don't know what to do. Well, that's been a very interesting thing, too. I mean, like seeing you do all these videos and like even on your socials and everything, you guys are really like a duo. If I were to bring my boyfriend to work with me, I've already told him multiple times it's never going to happen because I would probably end up on, you know, court TV or something. How do you manage that relationship being able to do both, you know, work and then, you know, an actual relationship? Well, there is nothing that I would rather do than to spend time with, with Steve, with Mr. Davis. We can sit quiet and not talk, and that's wonderful. We can have a very intense conversation. That's wonderful. And the pandemic has proven we can spend 24 hours a day, day in and day out together. He's my best friend. He's my soulmate. And of course, my husband. And so it's just, I'm a very lucky, I'm very grateful that we met. We balance each other. I'm ridiculous. He's steady Eddie, you know, he's the one who has the budget. I'm the one who will max out the credit card. You know, it's the yin and the yang. We balance each other out and I'm not, and I'm willing, you know, I, I can't be maxing out credit cards all the time because the gigs aren't coming in or whatever. He's the one who's like, okay, at this point, when he's looking at when I was able to leave that career and, and do Mrs. Kasha Davis full time, just such a support. And so I can't imagine doing any of this without him. Um, he doesn't necessarily travel with me all the time, sometimes, because he has a pretty big deal full-time job. So uh, it doesn't allow that. So sometimes he does, though. And so our goal, I mean, we're getting to retirement age, right? He is. So we think about it. And we're like, oh my gosh, we could be on the road together. And then I'm like, well, here's the thing. People still have to want me. Um, that's going to be a couple of years from now. So I got to make sure that I, get, I keep getting some followers on Insta, Twitter and Faceplace. But nobody, you know, that nobody tells you that when you when you first get on the show, that you're you're in it on your own. So that's the part of the process. That, but we do that as a business together. Mm. Did you do the business of uh, did he end up recording all of your audition tapes? Because you auditioned what? How many times? Seven Every time till seven? Seven times. And see, here's the thing. I think they said, if we don't put this annoying drag queen on the show already, I am relentless. My mother taught me success comes in cans, not in cans, right? So if you want to go get it, you go get it, right? It might not turn out the way, as we see sometimes with, you know, there's only one winner, they say, uh, of, of, a, of a, comp a reality competition show, but you have to go and get it. It's the same thing right now in the pandemic. And in this aftermath where we're trying to figure out what to do, you know, if I want to attend, I need to participate. I need to comment. I need to make a video. I need to be involved on TikTok. You know, whatever the thing is, 
if I sit and wait like some of my peers, they'll call and like, how are you getting the gigs? I ask for them. <laughs> it's, a, you know, it's your own business. So you've got to make those connections and have these conversations. And that's a drive that's in me because, you know, RuPaul's not going to tell me no. He can kick me off of his television show, but that's not going to stop me from getting my dream. You, have you looked back at your old audition videos? Have you looked at them recently? Oh, God, yeah, they're horrible. Well, the last one wasn't. The first couple, I was like, oh, what was I thinking? But everybody, you know, can look back. So Mr. Davis has been, we had this whole concept in our head. We're going to start our own YouTube channel way back before people had much of a YouTube channel. And we would do video upon video. And there's hundreds of videos, everything from cooking to cleaning, to housework, to real life scenarios, jokes, everything. And we would put it on YouTube. And so he was also filming all of my audition tapes. And it wasn't until I realized, gosh, I'm trying to be like the last season's girls. I'm not being myself. The hardest thing that I've experienced, I think, in life is to truly just love yourself enough to be exactly who you are. It's tough because we we see, oh, everybody likes for sake of conversation, Trixie. So I'm going to do my eyelash. You know, I came off the show and my eyelashes were down here and Darian says, what the hell are you doing? I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes, you know, you get stuck in that comparison and you and you think this is, that's a great lesson for a lot of our people who watch drag is that, you know, yes, you don't have to follow those fashion trends. You don't have to follow certain things. You can be yourself. So that last video, I was me. And I know that's why it worked. And I didn't, I just was relentlessly me. And it took, it took practice. So, but um, those videos, all those videos that Mr. Davis took for all those years became a documentary. They became a big yes. part of Workhorse Queen, which we didn't know that would happen. And, you know, again, putting the stuff out there, putting yourself out there, putting video out there, it works. Yeah, it, it did work. You get on RuPaul's Drag Race season seven, you walk through those doors what did you think when you walked in? My life has just changed. It was a door opened. So first of all, we had a couple days in the hotel room before that, which you start to go a little crazy. And as you've heard all those stories, but then they take us and they say, get ready. Today's the day. And they take you to a separate dressing room and you're alone again. And, you know, back and forth and prep and primp and whatever. And so then they bring you backstage. And then there's this, what seemed to be this ceiling to floor gigantic mirror. And they said, last looks. And they, of course, they're whispering because you can hear filming going on. And that's one of the PAs said, or, or people back there, or, or um, you know, the producers said, when you walk through those doors, your life will change. And I was like, okay. And it's that's literally what it felt like. I walked through and I was like, oh, this magical moment. And there was multiple cameras. And I was like, okay, here we go. And, you know, I didn't know. You just ramble. They said, just keep talking until we tell you to stop talking. So you go out there and you just, you know, kind of give your best quick impression of who you are. But, you know, I dreamt of I Love Lucy as a kid. I was, and I'm still, again, part of that housewife and the relationship with Mr. Davis and, you know, Lucy and Ricky. And I said, oh, someday I'm going to be on stage with Lucy. Well, of course, you know, she dies years ago. And it was filmed on the same soundstage where the original I Love Lucy shows were filmed. And I was like, that was a nod from the universe telling me you are with Lucy in what, see, see, again, you put these positive things out into the world of what you wish for. They're going to happen. Maybe not exactly the way you thought. 
And so at that moment, like when they showed, cause they brought me out and showed me the plaque on the wall and said, see, we're, we weren't exaggerating. And I was like, this is, you know, and chills, you know, I knew it was time for me to make this happen and what it was going to be. I had no idea. That's actually like really crazy that like, it was kind of like a hit you moment. And then being able to be like, you know, you wanted to be on stage with Lucy, but then you get you know, the next best thing, which is you're in the actual place where her show was recorded. That's insane. And it was more specifically the feeling, I got the feeling when we were doing the trailer. So we were filming the trailer, they had giant cameras and giant lights. And that studio wasn't cut off with all the curtains for the multiple small studios that you, you you know, the workroom and the main stage. It was just the main, it was this, and it, it felt like, oh my gosh, I'm in what I see in movies, Hollywood. I did it. We did it, Mr. Davis. And it was such a celebration. Reviews. They are everything. Whether it be a podcast review, food review, any time that you can read what another person's experience is, you kind of feel like, hey, you know what? Like, I understand where you're coming from. It can help you make some of the biggest decisions that you have to make in your life. And when it comes to finding healthcare ratings matter even more. And that's where ZocDoc comes in. ZocDoc is an app where you can compare doctors by their ratings and read reviews from real patients. So you can find and book highly rated local doctors. It has been so eye-opening just to be able to see where I'm going to go before I actually go there because I normally have always dreaded going to the doctor before I ended up using ZocDoc. So Just download the free ZocDoc app, the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book an appointment. With ZocDoc, you can search for local doctors who take your insurance, read verified patient reviews, and book an appointment in person or by video chat. You never have to wait on hold with a receptionist again because nobody likes the hold music. Whether you need a primary care physician, dentist, dermatologist, psychiatrist, eye doctor, or other specialist, ZocDoc has you covered. Go to ZocDoc.com slash exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to see a doctor. So now is your time to prioritize your health. Go to ZocDoc.com slash exposed. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash exposed and download the ZocDoc app to sign up for free and book a top-rated doctor. Many are available as soon as today. That's zocdoc.com slash exposed. ZocDoc makes healthcare easy. So uh, what was your experience like on Drag Race? Did you do everything that you wanted to do? Do you feel like you left too soon? Because when I put the question out there and I said, what questions do the viewers have for Miss Kasha Davis? The most common thing was, do you feel like your elimination was wrong because they got mad at you for mispronouncing a word? Was there more critiques that were not shown? Well, so prior to that, we had our time with Kathy Griffin and we had Katya and I had a series of jokes and, you know, it's Kathy Griffin. I mean, I'm meeting celebrities for the first time in my life and it's like surreal, right? And so you're out there and and they film your moments and your critiques and then so she says, cut this joke, cut that joke. And then we went backstage and the producer said, yeah, don't say this about Michelle. Don't do that. And so Katya and I looked at each other and we said, we don't have any jokes left. And we were like, we don't even need this. There's nothing left on the paper. Now, was that them trying to get us to 
you know, be freaked out or whatever. Who knows? And so, yes, I went out on stage and mispronounced the word welcome. I don't think that's why I went home. I felt, in my mind, I had this, like, I'm here to do a show versus compete against the other girls and eliminate them. And I have this inherent teamwork kind of a personality. And so, you know, I didn't find myself inserting my voice and what else do I have to say? So if I look back, I think I could have been more outspoken. I could have found a way to get the camera to focus on me more. And so I've learned that my drag was not nearly what I like it to be today. It it always can continue to prove. But I was also, you know, I was in the throes of my alcoholism at the time. And so I was not able to drink, right? And I had little bits of uh, emergency Xanax with me at all times. And so I was kind of chill, you know, but I was really wanting uh, some booze. And of course you get a little bit at Untucked, but that was something I was shaking. I was, I was, I was definitely feeling that. And so I'm sure that affected how I was dealing with certain things and my nervousness and stuff like that. Uh, my lip sync, I thought, was very Mrs. Kasha Davis. And I thought, um, you know, Candy was good, too. So I, I, that could have gone either way. I believed in that moment, though, that I won. I was like, oh, this is going to be, first of all, it's a song I knew so well from my childhood. <laughs> and then I was like, fine, you know, I'll lip sync this song. And I thought, oh, yeah. And then, of course, that happened. And so I was shocked. And then they sent me home literally home because some of the other girls stayed in the hotel. And then I came back and I thought, why did they send me home? Maybe it was so I could go and drink. I don't know. It could have been. <laughs> so I came home and I did drink. And then I went back. And then when we did that, I was like, I am, don't you dare send me home again. Like, and so I really believe Katya and I, and I know that the producers and the other cast members truly thought Katya and I and the conjoined twins challenge won that. And that, cause they would say, well, Kasha's is clearly coming back. And then, of course, it was Trixie, which totally makes sense, too, in the business sense of things. She's amazing. So that's what happened. You know, I don't know what else to say about it, but do I think both times I could have stayed? Yes. I think it's interesting that you said that you, you know, were having your problems with the drinking because it seems like everybody I've talked to from season seven has had (laughs) some issue that held them back. Like, you know, in some type of way, like Pearl was talking about like how her issues beforehand ended up coming into there and she wasn't herself. Max was saying that, you know, they were afraid to be themselves and they weren't as outspoken. So it's very interesting to hear that a lot of you guys in season seven were all kind of like in this realm of issues that were affecting performance. Like, did you see that amongst other girls? I knew something was up in general. I came back and told Darian, I'm like, I don't know what they're going to do with this footage. Because it, so of course she told me her experience and Pandora told me hers, gave me some pointers and this, that, and the other as good sisters do, you know. And so I was like, oh, you know, there were some fights and there was some just awkwardness and some energy. And of course, I don't know the editing process. I thought to myself, they were trying to do a lot of different things. They changed the format for the way that they did the promo picks and the and the the intro. And, you know, they wanted a, a different look and style for that. And so they made a lot of different changes on season seven. And I think 
it's gotten bad rap because it, you're coming off of season six with Bianca Del Rio. Come on. I mean, that whole top four is outstanding. Not that we're not, but we are all making something of ourselves because of the of the negative flack we got uh, from some of the fans saying season seven was, and other sisters saying season seven was, we were like, well, we'll show you. And pretty much everybody has done so. Yeah. And I mean, looking at it, I think your cast is one of the most well-rounded, talented casts from fashion to comedy to everything. Did all of you guys get to experience that on the show and showcase what you had? No. But I think afterwards, you guys have done a really good job at a majority of you guys staying extremely relevant. Yeah, well, and I think we had a lot of group chats and stuff like that where we were talking about like what to do next. And early on, I mean... Trixie taught me real fast that this is a business and you got to get merch and you got to do this and and what else can we do? And I and I believe I helped her to see that she can do a one-woman show because she had asked me on set at one point, do you do, what do you do? And I was like, well, I have a one-woman show and I do, you know, host things, even though, the, you know, we can see I apparently can't pronounce the word welcome. So we had a lot of like coaching conversations with each other that way. And it was very supportive or specifically early on. And we heard every, what everybody was saying, of course. And we kind of saw the difference between the six and seven and well, like four, five, six, and then seven was like a, a shift. And it seemed like they brought it back to what it was before after seven. So I don't know. But like I said, everybody was like, oh, we're going to make the most of this. And I think like you said, I, I can't even think of anybody that hasn't done something pretty unique and spectacular from that cast. Yeah. Well, unique and spectacular are a few things that I will just use to describe one of my favorite parts of season seven was during the Rue infomercial challenge with your voice. I would love to just discuss the voice and what came from the commercial because I don't know if you know this but there are certain things in season seven to me that I will just automatically just go in my head like I don't know why but that the infomercial cover challenge or whatever I remember those things more than I remember anything else I'm always like tan 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 and then I'm always like you know a cd it's like what was the inspiration behind the voice? Because I don't think you expected the reaction that you got. Well, I, you know, I know I have a, a unique uh, voice and I've certainly heard it from people. You know, I remember watching like old school people like Joanne Worley when they would do like, Woo! and Uncle Arthur and, you know, these different characters. I relate to a character. <laughs> from Facts of Life, girls, girls, you know? And I loved that because I thought, well, I, let's face it, I'm not the fashion queen, you know? And so what can I bring? And, and it's that character voice and the character. And so I just, I have fun with words. And that being said, I, you know, I think that lends to the storybook reading and that lends to some of the other stuff that I play around with. I, I think about doing a podcast as well, just because, you know, I love to share who doesn't want to, you know, so this is what I think, but also, you know, I just love to talk. And I was, when I was a kid, I used to just play around with different voices. And I used to think to myself, is this like, you know, a form of, uh, of, of like Tourette's or something? Cause if I hear somebody say something, I'll, I'll sort of like somebody in a, in a store will be like, no way. And I'll go, no way. Like, I'll like, 
repeat what they say because I want to learn how they said it. And that got, oh gosh, that got me in trouble, especially when I was drinking. Forget it. I would just do it louder and, and try to do it funnier than they did. And people were like, excuse me? What is with this person? This person's hammered. <laughs> <laughs> My mom would do the same thing and it would make me so uncomfortable when I was little, but she would do it with people's accents. If anybody had an accent, didn't matter if it was a lisp or anything, it would be, she would answer or start talking like that to them. And I'd be like, can you, no, 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 no. Just talk how you talk. <laughs> yeah, this is not appropriate. And it was just, I think it was just a way, you know, just to have some fun. And the theater fella in me had fun with that. I mean, and then if I think back, a lot of the stuff I did in theater, I didn't change my voice that much. I just went on stage and did my voice. So uh, it was a playing around thing, I guess. Well, if you had to have changed your voice for Snatch Game, what do you think you would have done? Oh, well, so uh, if you think back, if you, uh, from the one challenge where we had to create uh, runway looks, I jumped right into Joan Rivers because I had a sense that things were getting a little, and I'm like, I need to show this these producers that I can do a character. And I thought, well, who better than a red carpet than Joan Rivers? And so I had Joan prepared. I had Liza prepared. I think I had Dame Edna with me as well. And so the more I watch Snatch Game, if I were ever chosen for All-Stars, I think to myself that sometimes you want to find somebody who you can do a little bit of their voice, but that you could just improvise and it doesn't have to be so spot on. You know, I think that's a mistake that we sometimes make when we choose somebody it's like, oh, that's not, it's tough to do a, say, Beyonce, only because she has her beautiful look, but then it's like, she doesn't have a character voice that's like, that's hysterical. She can keep talking like like Phyllis Diller with uh, Ginger. You, you did, she wasn't perfect as Phyllis, Dill, Phyllis Diller, but you had enough of an intonation there that she could just talk about anything and sound like Phyllis Diller. And then Pandora did like Kim Cattrall, like she was great, but it was like, we don't really know her tone. Like, we don't know enough about the way she sounds for you to be able to just say anything. Yeah, I always think about it. I know I would never, like, I don't do drag, never would I, but I always go over it every single Snatch game. Like, who would I be? Who would I be? Who I would I be? And then it hit me recently what I would do. Would it be controversial? Yes. But I was thinking, if I could do Helen Keller, but play Helen Keller as that she was never blind and never deaf, but trying to hide it from everybody in the Snatch game, I was like, I think that would work. There you go. There's layers. There you go. There's layers. There's layers. You have to do yeah. the layers. Uh-huh. Well, I have somebody in mind, but I'm not going to say it because what happens Yeah, is don't my- say it. But <laughs> because I did. I said it to, I said one character uh, to a friend and that person put uh, that character in their audition tape. And I was like, okay. So, you know, you never know who's watching this. We all pretend we don't watch each other, but we all watch each other's interviews and things. And, uh, and then so that you never know. Oh, <laughs> uh, another question that came through that was very popular is what would have been your death becomes her look? <gasps> it makes me a little uncomfortable. So my, mo- so <laughs> it was a little bit of imitating. My mother had this accident that happened where she caught herself on fire. Now that's a little bit funny and it's not funny because she's passed away. But, um, so I because was of the fire to- because of something else. Because of something else, but the fire oh. was <laughs> the fire was not one of her best moments. Um, so you know how Patsy and Abfab is face down in the kitchen, uh, and the fire happens, and she wakes up with a cigarette in her mouth. That was it. You know, it was going to be that sort of thing where I was caught in a kitchen fire making a you know fabulous pie for Mister Davis, 
And uh, I survived the fire, but I'm all burnt. I had the prosthetics for this, the burnt skin and I had the housewife dress all like wrinkled and it was going to be like sprayed with the black and, it, and I would just be all black. Yeah. So you end up, you know, you get off the show and one question that I ask everybody, is there something that happened behind the scenes um, because the show's called Exposed that you can expose, whether it be positive, negative, happy, crazy, a moment that didn't make it to camera. I've had people talk about dresses catching on fire. I've had people talk about like heartfelt moments. Is there anything that you wish would have been shown on the camera? Absolutely. My only regret is that um, in Untucked, they showed Mr. Davis and our daughters and our dog, and it was loving and it was wonderful. And that footage of fame crying is from my husband and kids. And they use Ginger's uh, ex-husband at the time. And so, you know, because Ginger ends up staying longer. So I'm always like, well, can I, I even asked the producers, I'm like, can you just show it on like your YouTube channel at the time or, you know, back way back then? And they never used the footage or shared it. And it was sweet. And it was just, our girls were so excited for me. And uh, our dog was still, <laughs> that particular dog was still kicking. And he was bouncing around back there and I was emotional and it was so exciting. It was so great to see them and that never shared. And so I'm so big on Mr. and Mrs. Davis and family. And so I thought that would have been a nice thing to at least, even if that was going to be eliminated, at least to show that's Mr. and Mrs. Davis. I mean, they talked about Mr. Davis and brought him into uh, the conversation, but they never showed our girls. And I thought that would have been a, a nice thing, but. Yeah, it would have been nice to see the family dynamic because like also like, you know, I was I was chatting with uh, Carmen Ferrala from Drag Race España who just won. And she said that, that the biggest thing was almost the same thing you said. She was like, I had this video message from my mom and she was like crying and so happy. And then she goes, and then we went to watch the episode and it wasn't on there. And she got very mad because that was her TV moment. And I was like, right, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. It does. And they did a bunch of other things. Like they sent us back to our rooms with some uh, iPod, uh, iPods or whatever. And we were supposed to videotape ourselves. And we did all this. They had all these questions we had to answer. And what did you think of this? And what did you think of that? They're probably gathering stuff for the next day's shoot. Uh, you know, the dirt on what you think of your, your sisters or whatever. But I was a goofball back in the room having fun because you know, I couldn't fall asleep. I was wishing I had some Chardonnay. And so I was spinning around in circles on the chair and doing this, that, and the other and telling stories. And so some of the, the people have told me over the years, they're like, we still love to get your 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 footage back at the end of the night because it was crazy. I was like, crazy? What are you talking about? <laughs> so when you guys are in those hotel rooms, what would you say the best thing about being in that hotel room is and the worst thing? Well, so the best thing it was it was your safe space. I mean, you came back, it was it became home. You had a little bit of a relationship with the PAs out, so you get your snacks and this, that. And I I mean I should have probably just pretended I was a smoker so I could have gotten outside. And so I'm not you know great at I don't love a lot of TV. So I would read a lot and I would journal. So I have I have everything from those days detailed in a journal, which I've looked back on. It was pretty cool just to see how much so I was just so in that like excitement and the gratitude of it actually happening. And so it was, it was okay. You know, 
you really, the first couple of days you feel like trapped. You feel like you're in jail. Like it's scary. Like it was because I mean, you know, I'm, I was 44 at the time. I have a home. I have car. I work. I mean, I don't sit in one room and then I'm a, a hyper person. So I'm like, I, at one point I thought like, if I jump, it won't hurt that bad off the balcony. And then I could go out, like go out where I don't even know where I am. You know, I went on the balcony one time and they literally yelled, Mrs. Kasha Davis, get back in your room. I'm like, who knows me? Why does, who's this person in the bushes? And I was like, so then I felt, I felt like I was being watched. Like, and then I thought, oh my gosh, I was so bored. I started shaving everything. I mean, I'm a hairy, I'm a glamour bear. I'm a hairy bear. And so I was shaving and then I was like, well, I'm going to shave my legs. And I never shaved my legs before RuPaul's Drag Race. So I had nice, smooth legs when I came on. Mr. Davis was like, what's going on? And then I shaved my butt and I was just like shaving and shaving and shaving. <laughs> Because nothing to do, you know, so it was a spa as well. I love that. That's very funny. Like, because I never thought about that, that you guys are probably locked in there for the a couple of days beforehand. Then after I started like reading the stuff about the girls who had to do the quarantine stuff and staying in a hotel room for more than a week or two, I was like, I couldn't imagine being quarantined for like 10 days until you get on. And you have to stay in the room and you have to, uh, you know, they, they bring you like probably like Moe's and Chipotle or whatever, Chipotle, I don't know what they And, you know, just okay food. And you're just sitting there and Darian's joke is always like, just send me some more conditioner and moisturizer because, you know, but I'm just <laughs> like, there's no internet. So you really got to use your imagination. So I don't know. You've kind of talked about it in this the fans do want to know, would you do an All-Stars if you were asked? I know that you said something about it on, what, the pit stop that you probably would do it. Do you think that you would? Yes, of course. I, You know, I have so much respect for the whole franchise that I would. I, They know I'm one that says yes. Now, I'm also not... I don't know that I would spend, like, the thousands and thousands of dollars to suddenly find Mrs. Kasha Davis and, like, you know... Gucci couture, because guess what? I'm still going to stick to my brand and I have some great designers that I really feel very comfortable in. And so I'm working on my mindset of like, if I should be asked, how would I approach it? And uh, yes, I think there's more of a story that I have to tell. And I certainly am understanding more about the competition part. Now, the teamwork part of me really wants to see my sister Darian Lake as an all-star. I mean, she was in the top she was a lip sync assassin in her season. I don't know why she's been not been brought back. And she's had this marvelous story of caring for herself and working on herself both, you know, mentally, but also physically where she's lost over 200 pounds. So she's got an amazing story too. It would be great if we were on together, but I am that person. I root for my sisters and for the team. But um, listen, they keep winning Emmys. They're not going anywhere. So the only problem is I'm old. And so uh, as I get older, I'm like, are you sure? I would just, you know, I would just go for it in that respect. Uh, but I've, has, I've been having such wonderful things happening that if it doesn't happen, I'm grateful for the opportunities it's presented that has helped me to open other doors. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think that your career after has been so great. I love seeing how you've taken that little like you know show at the time because you guys were still on logo when your season aired like it wasn't on vh1 yet it was right before the big social media paradox of everybody telling each queen to go 
crazy or go do this and that. And you guys were kind of in this period right before. So what has been the best thing to happen to you after being on Drag Race? Personally, sobriety. Drag Race made me wake up and say, you should be following your dreams. And then the reality of the work you have to put in and the fact that I started to make some comparisons and this, that, and the other brought me to my knees and pushed me towards recognizing that I'm an alcoholic and I needed to make some changes. Because in those changes, I've found a different, a better, a more in-touch voice, message. It's clear now because I was, I was anesthetizing so much. I still say there's always time for a cocktail. Mr. Davis still drinks. I have no problem with people drinking, you know, experiment, whatever they do. Listen, I'm the one that has the problem. I'm not preaching to anybody to make those changes. But for me, I was able to clear my obsession with the alcohol enough to be able to be more creative. Now, the second thing that I would say that was wonderful is as I got to open for Bianca Del Rio and for a bit on her last tour, and that was incredible. You learned a lot from her, began doing some stand-up because of that experience, and that was really pushed me in another direction too. So, you know, I'm just a grateful, blessed little little diva here uh, and uh, working on the kids' stuff and just smiling all the way. You know what's great too? Doing cameo messages. You know, I keep myself as cheap as, comp- as I possibly can be on there because I get to say hello to so many people and say happy birthday and, and give like just positivity. And it just fills me up with joy because, you know, we haven't had drag con and we haven't had a lot of shows and physical interaction to just have people still be interested to hear from you, you know? So that's been great. Too. Well, I think that's another thing that's really great about you is that I think I've seen you at every single drag con that I've been to. And I, have you been to every drag con? I, yes. I think my, maybe there was one that I missed or no, one I was planning on missing. But I just, I, lo- I love it. You know, I don't forget the fact that I'm a drag queen. I don't forget the fact of how lucky I am to have this opportunity. And I, and I love to see, you know, I saw Utica at a club once and I was like, you need to audition. And she, and she's doing marvelous. So, you know, uh, to be able to see those stories and to participate in that and to have those wonderful young kids coming to DragCon and looking to us. And how cool would it have been as a kid to be able to say hello to who you consider a celebrity, you know? Yeah, or like even like, just like, you know, when you see the moms holding their like kid's hand and it's like, you know, a five-year-old or something and walking through, I literally get so much like, I wouldn't say I was envious, but I do get envious because I'm like, you know, I wish I had that at like five. That would have been the coolest thing because, you know, yeah, of course, you know, we've been taught bad things about drag queens or, you know, the LGBT community if you're raised, you know, religious or whatever. But just seeing that, like, and seeing that experience, children are innocent too at the end of the day. That is the coolest thing to them, you know, like, and that's, I, I, I think that that's a great thing about DragCon. I, absolutely. And it's, it's you know, Nina West and I are working to do our thing with the kids. And and I think others will follow and do, you know, some other music and different things. And, and to see them being able to express their artistic ways or their gender identity or however. And it's just, it's wonderful. And honestly, it's great for the parents who might be like, I have no idea 
where all of this is coming from. This child is uh, surprising all of us. And here is a place where people are happy, healthy, productive, you know, uh, making careers. And they may not be a, become a drag queen, but they can say, like, here is a community. As RuPaul says, here's a tribe. Well, Miss Kasha Davis, I would like to know what you believe is the biggest misconception of yourself. Ooh. Well, then I'm always nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you ask my friend uh, Darian Lake uh, or Aggie Dune or uh, Mr. Davis or our children or some of my previous coworkers, what? you know, I have a mouth. I have a, I can be pretty, you know, and so... A big part of, of what I've done in, in recovery is identify wh- why am I snapping like that, you know? And I think it makes sometimes it makes good for good TV or a good tweet, Gia Gun. Um, but you know, you have to Yeah, I mean, so you have to use it not all the time, you know. But yeah, I think that part of the thing is that I'll present a lot of the positivity because I need to work on my negativity, you know. I, I need to put that out there because I can be negative or snarky. And so, uh, because some people will be like, oh my gosh, you're such an angel. You're always so nice. And Mr. Davis would be like, (laughs) yeah. Well, you are a Pisces and I'm a Pisces too. So I think that that happens a lot. You know, we can be as positive as we can be and as nice in the front, but when something is wrong or we feel a certain type of way about some negativity, we'll let you know. We'll let you know. Yeah, I'm. I, I was telling my sister-in-law last night, and I said somebody approached me with something. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not the one. I'm not the one with that. Don't. You know. And so I was hoping, you know, if I do get selected from All Stars, and you know, I, I, it'll be fun to see, you know, if I, Mrs. Kasha Davis, this you know, sweet married lady, has a little sassy moment because. Uh, because it's there, trust me, trust and believe. But uh, it's our Pisces moon. It's the harvest moon right now. So it's our time to be a little uh, wackadoodle. So good for us. You know what? I'm going to tell my boyfriend that tonight because that will be a great excuse for me to be wackadoodle for the next few days. That's right. Tell him, like, look, it's the Pisces moon. Mrs. Kasha Davis says we have every right to be wackadoodle. <laughs> <laughs> so what is next for you? What does the rest of this year have in store? You said you filmed those four episodes of... Um, your imagination station. So what's coming next? Like anything else for you? Well, there's the back end of that, which is, you know, the sales aspect and meeting with, we've got some potential meetings with some streaming networks. And of course, hopeful with World of Wonder, et cetera, who knows? And so there's that business aspect of that. But then I've got, I'm fortunate. I've I've got a bunch of good, good bookings. Let's hope that everything still stays open. Um, A lot of, you know, these vaccinated uh, events and college shows and then um, Workhorse Queen, the documentary about myself and Mr. Davis and our drag community, is touring the film festival circuit right now. But we're hoping to for it to hit streaming platforms, so you'll you'll see more of that. It's at this weekend. Uh, we're going to Winston Salem, Carolinas, and then the director is headed out to Joshua Tree, where it's being played out outside uh, at Slam Dance. So it's being seen and it's being well received. I would like to see it hit the streaming platforms because that's where, you know, we'll really get to to hear what people think because it's tough. Film Festival is a great, great experience, but they lock it for certain regions when it's in a film festival. So I might say that it's playing on social media and people are like, I can't find it. I'm like, well, because you don't live in, you know, in the, yeah. yeah. Well, Miss Kasha Davis, as we wrap this up, 
I do want to ask you, what is a message that you have for our beautiful LGBTQIA plus community? It's very, very, very simple. My mother was and still is my everything. She's my inspiration. I can feel her even as we're speaking right now, just smiling down on me. And when I was little, I used to sit and watch her put her makeup on. I would study what she did. And I thought it was so fascinating. And, you know, she was a pretty funny lady. She had a lot of snark in her, but she was a very positive person. And she always believed you can do it. You can do it. And she would tell me, Eddie, now you promised me after you brush your teeth in the morning, you look into your own beautiful eyes and say, I love you. Because when you love yourself, everything is possible. And I didn't always take that advice. I didn't always believe it. I didn't always do it. But I encourage myself and everyone out there is that if you do that simple task, and I know Rue says it, you know, how, if you don't love yourself, how are you going to love anybody else um, or whatever? Uh, <laughs> but it's that message. It's the truth. It's the self-love, even on the times when you really kind of dislike yourself the most. Find a way to love yourself. And in that process, everything is possible. Yeah. I, I mean, I absolutely love that. I think that that's a very hard thing about acceptance, especially in our own community, because, you know, we have gone through, a lot of us have gone through, you know, rejection or not being able to be ourselves. And then when we finally can be ourselves, we have all of this baggage from the previous people saying that we can't be us or whatever. And then we do look down on ourselves all the time, you know, we can't look at a billboard or a gay billboard or go to a, a club without a picture of a perfect six-pack guy or whatever. And so it's like always these things in our heads and what we're being taught and doing. And I think for the first time, I would say the pandemic has helped me as an individual be like, you know what? My mental health is really important right now. I don't want to work out right now. So I'm going to take some time for my head, you know, and that's that's what we really should be doing. Absolutely. Self-care is so important. We don't have to rush anything in life. Uh, that's what this pandemic has taught me. Things will happen as they should. And sobriety journey for me uh, is the process of gratitude. And again, even in the times when you feel like you have nothing, if you're grateful for what you do have, it seems like the universe hears that and gives you more. Whereas if you are constantly saying, oh, I don't have those for instance, those six-pack. If I don't have a six-pack, I don't look like that guy. The universe gives you want. It gives you the negative. So if you say, I am grateful for what I do have, I'm happy that I am, maybe if you have a, a desire to become more fit, you know, I'm grateful that I'm, I'm out walking today. I'm glad that I got to do that. I'm a walker. Not I'm, tr I'm, I'm never going to be a runner. No, I'm, I'm jogging today. I'm going to jog a little. So again, the positive words build upon itself just as the negative do. Ah, oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Ms. Kasha Davis, for being here with me and exposing yourself. Where can people find you on the socials? Oh, you can find me anywhere at Mrs. Kasha Davis, including Venmo and PayPal. <laughs> I mean, I just figured hey, I'd put hey. it up there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I mean, we will put all of Ms. Kasha Davis's social links and everything below. Go send her some love. Give her some love. Also, go get a cameo from her. You know what? 
get the happy and the satisfaction, you know? Maybe ask for a question that you didn't get answered today in your little cameo request. Find out something different about Miss Kasha Davis. Um, I'm Joseph Shepard. Until next time, you can find me at, at Joseph A. Shepard on everything. Make sure to subscribe, comment, like, and all of that good stuff. And there's Miss Kasha Davis. Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Exposed Dragged Out, brought to you by The Dip. I'm Joseph Shepard, your host. You can follow me on all things social at Joseph A. Shepard. That's S-H-E-P-H-E-R-D. You can also go to thedip.com slash RuPaul's Drag Race. The Dip with two P's dot com. That's the dip with two P's.com. Use promo code EXPOSE for 50% off your membership. And be sure to check out other podcasts from the dip, including Hot Off the Mess with Samantha Bush, the Daily Pop Culture Podcast, Pop Chaser, TV History Podcast, TV Watch Repeat, Real Housewives Podcast, The Slut Pick Podcast, and also I Am the Cute One, a Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen podcast. Until next time, I'm Joseph Shepard. You're right.